Hello. Hi, welcome back. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I think that's our intro. Yeah, it's okay. Hey. Um, we just opened presents on our Facebook and our Instagram lives. I'm really excited people actually got on and watched. I was nervous. I was kind of nervous. We were going to be like, we're going live and nobody would get on. <laughs> so it would be just like doing it on the yeah. phone. Yeah, granted, it was only like a couple people. Even then I was like, whatever. It was fun. Yeah, we got dressed up and... Our ugly Christmas sweaters. That you had to bring me because I don't own any. I'm like sweating though. This See, is but like, some heavy duty fucking vestige because I. Ugly Christmas sweaters to hot. me. So like, okay, you saw my husband's, right? That was not ugly. It made me so happy. But like, that's what a lot of people think of when they hear like ugly Christmas sweaters. So yeah. like, oh, let's go to Walmart and get one. No, I go to fucking Goodwill. I'm sure you do. I go straight to the old lady section and I get. That's very ageist of you. Okay. <laughs> Are you, am I wrong though? <laughs> and get little sweaters and little sweaters. earrings and scrunchies. I know my tinsel hair makes me happy. I didn't realize yours was like holly. Yeah, it's like a little mistletoe. Holly, jolly, scrunchy. So cute. Yeah, so we're all decked out. I'm sweating balls. So there's that. Um, if you missed the live, I think it's going to save onto our Facebook. Um, at, yeah. It's on Mental Health Sucks. Yes. Um, and you can watch us open presents. Chelsea got me like some of the cutest shit ever. I'm the best stocking stuffer. You are. I'm like, I'm shook. I feel like trash. I don't have a lot of talents, but that's one of them. You're like, I like to buy gifts. <laughs> that's where I shine is stuffing stockings. <laughs> no, we do, we do it every year. And like with the kids, I get all this stuff and I'm like, this is going to be great. And then I realize I buy too much shit. And so it won't all fit. So then they end up with extra presents. That was the problem I ran into with yours. So I had to like clip the thing. I tried not to look every time I came down here. I was like, oh. <laughs> it's like I came down here to wrap Chris's presents. He feels really sad because Why? I think he got scammed. Oh, no. So he got the one present for Adam. Right. The Well, I guess by the time this uploads, Adam will already have his present. Yeah. So, um, so he got him the phone case. The phone case came in the mail. Yeah. Um, and then he hadn't gotten the picture yet. Okay. We don't say too much in case it does come in. Okay. He hadn't gotten the picture yet though. And so he's like, you know what? I'm just going to, cause he got it off Etsy. Yeah. He's like, so I'm just going to message this lady on Etsy and see what the fucking holdup is. Yeah. Looks up her name. The account doesn't exist. Oh no. And so he opened up a, like, he like filed a case with Etsy and Etsy's going to look into it. But. Oh, boob yeah he's sad sorry chris i'm sad too i was really looking forward to having that on my <laughs> ceiling <laughs> ceiling <laughs> jesus um yeah really that was a gift for me but whatever it's fine we're still crossing our fingers that i'll just pop up in the mail one day right like maybe it wasn't tracked appropriately and then she just deleted her account for funsies <laughs> she's like yeah that shit sounds like a fucking scam so we'll see what happens. I'm really hoping it's real because it is funny as fuck. I love it. Like when you showed it to me, I was like, oh my God, like, please don't not buy that. Please don't, please do buy that is what I was going for. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Um, I feel like we don't have a lot to catch up on because we just fucking did that. Well, we're celebrating you and Adam's birthdays today. That's right. 
Um, that's why I was late because I was like, well, we could make the food there. This bitch. Oh my God. I about shit my pants when I'm like, you want to go live at 3.30 and it's fucking 3.27 <laughs> and you're still not here. I, I run like, through the door oh. at like 3.29. Like, I'm here. <laughs> my anxiety was like, da -dum, da -dum, da -dum, da -dum. I'm like, people are going to be waiting. Oh my God. And we're going to let them down. <laughs> Thank you for hitting all of my triggers all at the same time, you <laughs> asshole. <laughs> Anyways, so cool. That was because we were gonna we were making the dinner at home because we were like, well, we can make it here, but we don't want to dirty a bunch of dishes sure. and then all this stuff. So what we made was stuffed chicken. I'm so fucking excited. <clears throat> and um, so stuffed chicken for me to stuff my face with. I'm so we excited. made and I stuffed the fuck out of them too. Like I had to wrap the bacon the other way to hold them shut. Oh my god! So you and Adam have jalapenos, cheese, bacon, and cream cheese in yours. Mm -hmm. Yep, and that then, sounds like I'm gonna get fat. And Chris has Swiss Ugh. Swiss cheese and ham. Le cordon bleu. Le cordon bleu. <laughs> and then I'm just cream cheese, bacon, and cheese. You don't like jalapenos? Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Bummer. And then when we're so it take three hours to cook. Um, when we got here, Chris plugged in the crock pot. Actually, I'm gonna text him and make sure that he did. Um, make sure he turned it on too. So by the time we're done recording and listening to the episode, then they should be almost done, and then we can make the twice baked potatoes. I'm so freaking excited! Yes, you guys spoil us a little bit. We love you a little bit. We're not gonna talk about how old I am though, because I'm getting up there. I'm well, an old lady now. I'm just that's why I'm taking care of you. I hate you. <laughs> Do you remember how you always say you hate yourself? <laughs> it's a common thing. <laughs> Everyone just fucking hates me. <laughs> Our very first shirt is going to say, I hate myself, and I do too. Yeah. It's okay. I don't really hate you, but I'm not old. I have something sad to talk about. Like really sad or like haha -ha sad? <laughs> sad. Okay, I just thought I'd ask. Our beloved Elvis. Oh my God. Oh yes. Passed away. I, I was shook. I can't believe you didn't fucking know. I didn't know. I felt but so like, bad for Georgia. I can't even. So I was okay. So if you don't know what we're talking about, my favorite murder. We talk about it literally every week. <laughs> we just need to start. You need. You need to. I don't have a Twitter, but post something every day and just tag Karen and Georgia in it until they fucking until they notice us. I've been trying. Love me. Um, but they had a live podcast a few weeks ago and they, so at the end of every podcast, Georgia has a cat and he's the goofiest looking cat Oh, but too. he's like, he's so ugly. He's cute. Yeah. Like, oh my God. Oh my God. And she would always say, Elvis, you want a cookie? And then no. he would, <laughs> he would meow. Oh, uh, anyways. It wasn't even really like a meow. It was almost like a, oh my God, give me a cookie. Mm -hmm. like, and he passed away yesterday but like on the live podcast she was like he's just not wanting to do it lately i don't know he sh and what what did she say she said fame got to him but i think that there was something stop wrong with him. don't well yeah he was probably getting sick and he was old but yeah it made me very very sad when you texted me that though i like i couldn't <clears throat> fucking believe it i'm like who is gonna end their podcast now you <laughs> they're gonna call you in i'll meow for Emily, you want a cookie? <laughs> <laughs> They're like, all right, here's your paycheck. <laughs> Give you 50 cents a meow. Oh, my Jesus. God. Oh, God. Okay. So we actually got a lot of fucking questions this week. Yeah. Um, I'm going to try to find them. Why well, I, I have them. I have them here, too. Oh, my God. You're such a rock star. Well, did you have who, who asked them? 
No. Well, okay. I had, I have Lindsay. Okay. So ask, oh, my sister-in-law in-law asked if we could go on a vacation anywhere for a week, where would it be? Ireland. I have a question though. Iceland. Do Jamaica. I, I don't know. Would you shut up? <laughs> Do you have to stay in one place? Because for me, a vacation is, I could too, I could travel. You, you bitches know. better get a little more serious with your <clears throat> questions. We're going to need you to narrow this shit down. <laughs> oh my God. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I would say anywhere in Greece. I've always wanted to visit Greece because oh. Mamma Mia has been my favorite yes. movie for years and years and years and years and years and years. And like I want to, I, this is going to sound <clears throat> like super specific, but I have this weird dream where I want to like take a sailboat out in Greece, like very specifically, like I want to sail out and then like look back. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. I want. I, I want to see all of Greece. Yeah, I would love that. Greece and Ireland. I have always, 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 always wanted to go to Ireland, um, but not like the big Ireland cities, like the little, the little towns, like the castles and like out in the middle of nowhere that nobody talks about. Mm-hmm. In Iceland, did you know? And this was a meme on Facebook, so it could be a lie. This is where I got my information. But apparently, Iceland has no mosquitoes, <gasps> and like no bugs. And there's only a few spiders, and none of them want to kill you. So it's the opposite of Australia. That's why I want to go to Iceland. And it's beautiful. Speaking of Iceland, have you um, have you seen <laughs> have you seen Eurovision? What Eurovision? No, it's a movie on Netflix with. with I got to get up on my game with Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams. A day, and they both are, are fantastic. They are Icelandic. And the Eurovision Song Contest is, like, all the European countries get together and, like, they have this song contest. And I don't know if it's a real thing, but in the movie it is. Eurovision. Eurovision. Okay. And it's called the Eurovision Song Contest. And all these different countries get together and basically compete for, like, the best singer-songwriter award. It's me. And it is so fucking funny. Okay. I'll have to watch it. (laughs) You'll die. Okay. It's the best anyways i don't really watch a lot of tv so oh yeah sorry (laughs) okay next question um adam my husband asked this and there were a few of us who feel very personally attacked i was a little shook i was like okay ass at first i was like uh rude and then like i was talking to shyla i was like he's not wrong though (laughs) he's not so his question is why do mental health workers have such a difficult time taking their own advice and first i'm like that's very poorly worded however you're not wrong why do you think we have such a hard time taking our own advice? You know, I don't know. I guess I can ask myself that question too, because, you know, sometimes, not sometimes, but in the past, um, I would think to myself, like, if I can't even help myself, how can I help other people? <laughs> but I don't have a, a problem helping other people. Right. But then like, there's me and I'm like, eh, I'll be okay if I cry for a week. It's fine. <laughs> this is yeah. Fine. So I don't have an answer for that. Honestly. Well, and really, like, the more I thought about it, I I think this is not just mental health workers. I think just people in general have a hard time taking their own advice. Mm -hmm. It's really easy to tell Mm -hmm. someone else what they should do, but it's harder when you have to, like, reflect that in on yourself. Mm -hmm. So, like, when I'm telling my clients stuff, are you fucking Snapchatting while we're in the middle? No, you keep staring at my mouth. And so I I I'm looking at your nose rings. One's silver and one's gold, and they're throwing me off. I feel like I have, like, lipstick on my teeth. I would tell you if it was lipstick on your teeth. Okay. But I'm stuck on your nose rings. You just made me a little insecure. (laughs) So I'll fucking stab you. (laughs) So I just wanted to see what was going on. Your (laughs) nose is going on. Okay, anyways. (laughs) But I, I, that's just what I think. I think in general, it's e- it's easy to give advice, but it's hard to take your own advice. 
It's like I tell my clients all the time, you need to do some self-care. You think I fucking come home and do self-care? No. Mm -hmm. No, it's been like 10 years since I've had any time by myself with no responsibilities. And I'm just now doing that. Like, I'm just now like, fuck it. I'm going to do exactly what I want to do for my birthday. Mm -hmm. 10 years. (laughs) So why don't I take my own advice? Because I'm a cock waffle. (laughs) (laughs) Good answer. Next. (laughs) Um, Angel. Again, this, this was, was another attack. On this us. was a very fucking personal attack, and I told her so. How do former coworkers handle the sadness when their mental health providers quit them? <laughs> okay, so you have to you have to give context here. Why did why did Miss Angel ask that, Chelsea? Well, because, because I broke up with her, and I feel a little hurt by it too. So I would, I'm on Angel's you side. You can suck a dick because I'm on Angel's side, <laughs> and I ask the same question to you. <laughs> Self-care, self-care. How do you suggest I cope with this? Self-care. Slap that self-care band-aid right fucking on top. (laughs) What the fuck ever. You deal with it by calling me and being my real friend and not just my coworker. And then we do weird shady hood rat shit that's not allowed in the mental health world. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. I did not. Okay. I did quit. No, I didn't quit. I'm still employed. Yeah. You just don't go there anymore. I just don't go to the schools anymore. Cause I'm trying to better my own life, Angel. <laughs> but also, I replaced myself with someone really stellar. Who? You, idiot. <laughs> I just wanted you. I just wanted everyone to know that it's, it's Emily. Me. It's Emily. I replaced myself with Emily, and I say I, but really, it wasn't me. I had no say. <laughs> you just, Angel. You just love me from afar, and then you come drink beer with me and do hood rat stuff. And then Chris asked, "What would be the best Christmas present you would want to receive?" A maid. You said homemade? A maid. A maid. Oh. I want somebody to pay somebody to come deep clean my house. That would be nice. Yeah. If they could pay their salary for a year, that'd be even better. I guess if I'm thinking like the best gift in the whole entire world, I guess, I don't know, like a paid vacation. I don't know. A cup with my face on it. Welcome. (laughs) You have to post a picture of that. Oh, I will. So, um... If you don't um, go look at the live, whatever, it's fine. Um, I'll post a picture of some of our so favorite. A salty. <laughs> I'll post a picture of some of our favorite gifts on the the gram. So you're going to have to post all of them. Mm-hmm. I wonder if you should do that as a story and not as like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll make it a story and we'll highlight it. Too. I think I say we, but I'm not going to do that. I will. <laughs> I do. Um, this was a really good question. My girl, yes, Amber. There were a lot of good questions this week. Yes. Okay. Um. I love the shit out of this girl. Her and I go way back. We had babies together. We were C-section buddies and we hobbled down the hospital to each other's rooms. Oh. Yeah. Like she had her C-section two days before I did and we were in the same hospital. Oh my God. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. We have the best meet cute you could ever. Like my fucking ass was like breaking the time rules. Like I was escaping after curfew to like (laughs) waddle my ass down to her room. Okay. (laughs) In my hospital socks and like gown like a penguin. Um. But she she's just a phenomenal human. But Amber asked, um, she'd like to hear about quick diagnosis versus di- dismissive self-care talk from non-private hospital-issued professionals. So, for example, it's not your ongoing psychiatrist or therapist or someone you see regularly. It's a one-time appointment where they come in and they just give you a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of opinions about that. So, if you want to go first. I I don't know. I mean, this was a really, and I know that there's a lot of comments on there. Which I love. I love that it's What did Davina say? I know that Davina had a good. Davina said, fuck those bitches. 
basically. In more or less words. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of words she has on there. <laughs> it's mainly, she mainly was talking about her frustration. Where like, as a therapist, it's really hard to find a diagnosis even in an hour and a half, even when you're doing a formal assessment. So for somebody to come in and there's a five to 15 minute like, oh, I'm going to talk to you for 15 minutes and then I'm just going to give you a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. It's so frustrating as a clinician because you don't have enough information to make an appropriate diagnosis. Yeah. Like I said, I've done a couple um, intakes and I'm learning how to diagnose people. And I'm like, even in an hour and a half, sometimes I'm like, fuck, I don't have a solid idea. Like there's so many more follow-up questions I need to ask and collateral information I need to get. Yeah. Um, So that's what Davina was saying, where it's like, a lot of times those random diagnoses are either completely dismissive and written off as the client being dramatic or two, it's extreme in the opposite direction, especially if there's no discussion um, with the client that there is not a solid diagnosis. Kind of what I was saying that you need to follow up. Mm-hmm. And the biggest one is like EPC clients, clients who are going to inpatient stays. And then they all of a sudden come out on these like hardcore psychotropic medications when it's like, maybe they were on meth. Yep. You know, um, so my answer to that is, what are you doing? That was my mad face. Oh, that was Davina's mad Davina. face. Davina's mad about something. <laughs> Davina's mad. Um, God, watch yeah. out when Davina's mad. She's, <laughs> she might have Reiki on her side, but. I really like Davina. Bitch can get down. Um, so my opinion. That, yeah, that's a really interesting topic. As a baby clinician, someone who's just kind of like branching into the the therapist world. I've been in mental health for 10 years now. Yeah. Um, But as a baby clinician, this shit pisses me off Mm -hmm. because you cannot accurately assess somebody in 10 minutes. And so when you're like, okay, here's, you have depression because I gave you a nine question screener and you answered yes to all of them. Depression is such a blanket diagnosis. And Mm -hmm. sometimes, yeah, they might have depression, but what else? (laughs) Right. Something much more serious. There's more to it than that. Depression can be a symptom of a bunch of mental health diagnoses. Mm -hmm. So when you slap on just like a base diagnosis so that you can just get them in and out your door, give them some meds, tell them to do some self-care. Like I I joked earlier, throw on that self-care band-aid. Yeah. But once you take that band-aid off, like you're fucking trying to put a band-aid over a huge, like a much a more shark complex. Bite. Yeah, you exactly. Know. It's like putting a band aid on a shark bite. You're not doing jack shit. Yeah, yeah, you can take care of yourself, but if you don't have the appropriate diagnosis and you're not getting the appropriate care, mm-hmm. it's not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be that self care band aid that you slap on. And yeah. so, yeah, I super, super good question. It is a good question. And I would definitely say if that's what fucking happened to you, one, I would file a grievance because that's horse shit. And two, mm-hmm. I would, I, think that it's incredible that like primary care doctors can give medication, but I would definitely say go to like your regular therapist. Like don't, I would have a conversation like you saw me for 10 minutes. You cannot give me a diagnosis like that until you have more information. Mm -hmm. I'm a dick though. That's how I do it. Yeah. That was a really good one. Um, Another really good one. Soleil. She's another just badass woman. She's about to be a doctor. She's getting her doctorate in forensic. Fuck yeah. Yeah, Get it. Yeah. She's one of, I went to college with her. She's like, she's my girl. Um, she asked, I'd like to know how we can incorporate spirituality into diagnostic criteria or therapy. Beautiful. Beautiful. Inclusive. Perfect. What the world should be like. Take it away, sister. I'm going to let you answer this when I'm talking a lot. Well, I think it's because, you know, you helped me with my final <laughs> and we incorporated it pretty heavily in there because I think in places like our area, where we live near a uh, Indian reservation or you know, those things into, um, into account. I know, um, 
I don't know where I heard this from. Um, I've heard a couple of stories where like, is it a schizophrenic episode or are they Native American? Yeah. And are they, are you know, is, at... is this their spirituality and they are actually seeing these things? You know what I mean? Yeah, because that's it's technically culturally appropriate for them to have visions of Absolutely. ancestors and things like that. Yeah, that is where they come from. So is it that? Is it their mental health? And that's something that you ha really have to take into account. Yeah. Yeah. When I just think like if we look at spirituality into diagnostic criteria or therapy, mm -hmm. um, a big thing that I like to do is I always ask them, you know, do you have when you ask them, are you religious? If they don't align with a certain religion, they're going to yeah. say no. But are you spiritual, though? Do you connect with nature? And asking Absolutely. them that way, like I asked one one client one time, I'm, do you connect with nature? And she's like, well, yeah, I'm I'm a witch. And I'm like, that's fucking spirituality. Yes. And I and I did. She. I had one client come in and read tarot cards for me. You know, anything. My big thing is meet the client where they're at. If yes. they think that tarot cards can help them see their future, fucking bring that shit in and let's do a tarot reading. Do I know how? No, but teach me. Mm -hmm. Show me. And they'll come in. I've had clients come in and do tarot readings with me. Um, I had one. She didn't really do a spell, but she kind of like had the makings of a spell, mm -hmm. which was outside of my comfort zone. But it helped her. Like she left and then she texted me the next day and was like, oh, my God, like I'm doing great. Mm -hmm. We I had one client who said that she's a green witch. So that means like she connects with nature. And mm -hmm. so we, I, I had like a plant that was propagating in the window mm -hmm. and I always have potting soil in my office cause I'm a psycho. Um, <laughs> so we planted her a little plant and she took it with her. So I think it's just those little things. It's being culturally competent and it's making sure you're asking your client those yes. questions. And then it's using that. If they're like, Oh, I, I go to a sweat. Mm -hmm. Shit. I've been to a sweat. Let's talk about that. When was the last time you went to a sweat? Mm -hmm. Which is amazing. If you've ever, if you ever get a chance to go to a Native American sweat lodge, fucking do it. It's insane. It's so cool. Yeah. Okay. Last question. I think yeah, yeah. I think there's so much to you. You we can do a whole episode on that and still have we more to talk do about. Do a whole episode on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think spirituality plays a huge, 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 huge role in, in mental health and healing and mental health and yeah. all things. Yeah. Next, Angel asked a serious question this time. This is a good one. Yeah. How to teach resiliency, resilient, resilient skills, resiliently skills. I think <laughs> right, <laughs> angel, how to teach resilient skills to students with high A scores. So right now we're talking about trauma. Yeah. The first thing I would say is just remember that they're not going to learn like your typical student will. Mm -hmm. The higher their A score, the more trauma they've been exposed to in their life. And so kind of trying to help them recognize their triggers and if you're if you're a teacher and you happen to be loud and if they're not getting it and you yell at them and they may not respond like a typical student was mm -hmm. would. Um, so kind of recognizing their triggers and working with them to communicate in a way that doesn't make them shut down. Yeah, I guess is the best way for me to put that. Well, and talking about resiliency, I mean, like that's sure trauma is one thing. Learning in a school setting is one thing. But if we're talking about how do we teach them to become resilient? That's a whole different thing, too. Here's what I'll tell you. They're already fucking resilient. Ex mm -hmm. You can. They're already resilient. If, if they are functioning. If they survived, that shit if, is resilient. If they are functioning, given their A scores. I mean, like, if they're sitting there in front of you, they're resilient. And that's that's the hard thing, I think, with our education system. Because they have certain standards they have to meet. But sometimes these kids, like, sometimes getting out of bed and getting to school is the only thing they can do. Yeah. So it's really hard to learn when you're like, God, I wonder, 
what I'm going to eat when I go home because there's no food in my house. Mm -hmm. I wonder if my mom's going to be lying on the floor because my dad beat the shit out of her or vice versa. You know, they're they're not always present in school because they're worrying about those outside things that you can't see inside the school building. Yeah. So while they're being pressured to learn all these things, their mind is not there. Mm -hmm. And so recognizing that and just acknowledging that they may not meet the standards as quickly as you'd like them to, but they have some life standards that they're trying to work through at the same time. Mm -hmm. So building that resiliency yeah, I don't know. You can encourage, but I think they're already pretty fucking resilient. And it's just a matter of adjusting your communication style to meet them where they're at. Yeah. I could be wrong, but that's no, I think that's a good answer. Thanks. Really good questions this week. Made us think. <laughs> Jeez. I'd like, so I cheated and I put it on my personal Facebook again. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it got far. So that's what I'm going to do. Assholes. Well, today Buddy. we're, uh-uh. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about, we picked our own diagnoses. Do you want to go first? I do. Um, Good. Mine's not too terribly long, just because I knew that we would have a 30-minute intro. Mine's <laughs> not long either, because I didn't, I wasn't sure if we were, like, opening presents on the pod, and I was like, well, I should do a short one so that we're not, exactly. like, a 4,000-hour episode. Yeah. So... Anyways, <laughs> go Emily. I'll so shut up. I picked to talk about now. I, I think I'm saying this wrong because it's spelled capgrass. It could be copgrass. It could be capgra. Um, when I Googled the pronunciation, it, it looked like capgra. Um, but I'm just going to be saying it incorrectly. So sorry. <laughs> um, capgrass syndrome. Um, Capgrass syndrome is a psychological disorder that can cause someone to believe that someone else that they love or a person that's close to them have been replaced by an imposter it's or Capgras. Capgras. Okay. Yep. I'll say it as Capgras. Capgras. Um, anyway, so someone believes that, um, someone that they love, someone, <laughs> someone that is special to them in their lives has been replaced by an imposter or a duplicate. Yeah. Okay. What's that movie with Julianne Moore? It, I don't know. <laughs> Keep well, going. I'll think about it. I can see it's like the forgotten or well, something. Well, here's I the thing. I was going to do alien hand syndrome. And, still really cool. and I'll save that for our next episode. But, or not our next episode, our next pick your own diagnosis episode. Okay. Um, but my husband, he was like, oh, have you seen that movie? Um, it's like the idle hands or something like that. It's like, Ooh. it was made in 99. It's an old movie. Um, and it's these teenagers and this one teenager has alien hand syndrome and it's killing everyone. And he's like, it's not me. It's my hand. It's the forgotten, the forgotten. So Julianne Moore, um, <clears throat> see, I could, this is what I was seeing in my head. Oh yeah. So she like. I can't remember what happened. So she's a grieving mo mother and they say that like her son died. And then all of a sudden they like take, they take away her memories and it's like, she never had a son, mm -hmm. but there's something in her. That's like, I had a son, I had a son, I had a son. So that's what that makes me think of. Anyway. Interesting. Sorry. Anyways. But yeah, I was going to do alien hand and then Chris told me about that movie. And then I was like, I can't take it seriously. <laughs> so I did this one instead. Um, really interesting. Like, thing to have like i've never like even i look this. at you and i'm like you've been replaced by somebody well, like I'm, I'm a fucking alien well, with my alien hand <laughs> um so capgra is that what we decided yeah capgra capgra syndrome results from a disturbance in the brain's um recognition system that can be associated with brain lesions Ooh. Mm -hmm. the theory is that a person develops delusions 
mm-hmm. creating the thought that a friend, a spouse, a parent, or an other, or another close family member has been replaced by an identical looking imposter. So this syndrome is a type of delusional misidentification syndrome or DMS. Hmm. Yeah. Pull out, pull out your, um, DSM and and look for this. So delusional misidentification syndrome. And they're, they are actually very, very uncommon. Well, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, so Capgra is associated with a neurodegenerative disorders like Parkinson's, in particular, um, Lewy body dementia. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, it affects between 16 and 28% of people with Lewy body dementia. Fif- okay, wait, what's Lewy body dementia? Because I don't think everybody's going to know that. I had it written down and then I deleted it because I, I, I thought people would. You think people know what that is? <laughs> Sorry. This is such a rare disorder. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Louis, Louis body dementia. Um, so it affects 16 to 28% of people with that. 15% of people with Alzheimer's. <laughs> you hear Avery upstairs? Yeah. I'm, ah! I'm, I'm laughing because there's a screaming child upstairs. It's a degenerate. Louis body dementia is a degenerative condition similar to Alzheimer's. There's yeah. no cure. Medication can moderate some of the symptoms. So it's, it's kind of. Yeah. So, um, 15% of those with Alzheimer's and is present, but less common in people with basic Parkinson's. Um, I also have down that those with anxiety have a 10% risk of develop, developing Capgras syndrome, Capgras syndrome. I know you're like, fuck, my husband's an imposter. <laughs> Could be. Thinking about my children as you hear Avery up there. What? <laughs> Jesus. So she's not a serial killer. She's an imposter. <laughs> Let's lock the door. <laughs> um, so there's, there, <laughs> there is a cognitive scientist. His name is Max Kohlhart. Um, he describes a two factor theory of delusional belief that has been confirmed by brain imaging that is related to this. So the first factor is a form of brain damage that prevents familiar faces from um, being related to an emotional response within our brains. So that one's kind of interesting. The second factor prevents the ability to reject the delusional belief. So you have a delusional belief and your brain's just like, yep, go ahead and believe it. (laughs) Basically (laughs) is what that second factor is. Whenever your brain's in there like laughing hysterically, like fucking got you nerd. (laughs) So basically there's just a disconnect in the pathway between the temporal lobe and um, which is the area that is responsible for um, facial processing and then the limbic circuits associated with appropriate and personal emotional responses. So there's a disconnect between those two things that the uh. wires just aren't connecting. So that's where you're like, Oh, this person isn't real. Oh shit. Basically. Yeah. Um, so going on to treatment for it. So the first step for treating cop is to determine if there is any underlying illnesses. Now this is, you're going to lose your shit with this. Are you ready? No. Medical conditions such as REM sleep disorders. Sure. That would make sense. And urinary tract infections. Shut the fuck up. Can trigger these delusions. Go pee after you have (laughs) sex. I can't stress this enough. 
<laughs> if you don't pee after intercourse, you're going to have delusions and all of a sudden everyone's going to be a fucking imposter. If you don't imposter dick. If you don't pee after that, you're not going to even know the person who you just had sex with. <laughs> you're going to think that they're big phonies. Isn't that interesting? Oh my God. I was not ready for UTI. I'm sitting over here like you're about to personally attack me. No. You're going to say You're going to. UTIs and sleep disorders Shut can up. trigger this. I wonder why UTI. I don't know. I mean, like, aren't does I don't know. I'm shook to my core with that. You anyway. just get so distracted because you have to urinate so bad and it burns that you just like you're like, ah, that's not my mom. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, so if Kafka if Kafka is recognized early, some <laughs> medication intervention. Yeah, UTI med. If it's recognized early, <laughs> some medication can help. Um, but typical antipsychotic medications probably aren't appropriate and they can actually worsen the symptoms. Um, they're the two most common drugs that are used to help this. Wait, wait, wait I got it. Cranberry juice. Shut up. <laughs> I can't get so over the UTI. There's, <laughs> there's a quetiapine and clozapine. I know clozapine. I don't know the other one. What is it? Nope, don't know. Um, anyways, those are the two main. Ketamine? Maybe. That's not correct. What's no. ketamine? Ketamine is a horse tranquilizer. <laughs> yeah, are you thinking of that TikTok that's like ketamine? <laughs> well, shit, it'd probably work. No, you're not wrong. <laughs> anyways, so those are the two things that can help limit side effects. Ah. Anyways, super, super interesting disorder that to have. Interesting. Um, and then that's all that I have. And then I have the quotes and then that's it. What well, do you want to hear mine? Yes. So you know how much I love, 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 love trauma related disorders. Absolutely. So I'm going to do reactive attachment disorder. Mm have you ever heard of this? Mm -mm. It is a trauma and stress related, related disorder. Um, that's how it's categorized in the DSM. Okay. Um, so it's a trauma and stress related disorder. And I did the diagnostic criteria but I'm going to just roll through it really quick because it's, it's super interesting. So mm -hmm. what reactive attachment disorder is, is it's a serious social neglect um, situation. And it's, it's categorized by a consistent pattern of inhibited, emotionally withdrawn behavior toward adult caregivers. So generally the individual has to show both rarely or minimally seeking comfort when distressed or rarely responding to comfort when distressed. There's not a lot of research of people who've been diagnosed with this over the age of five. So this is usually like five and under. Wow. Um, can they have it when they're adults? Yes. But it, my guess is it probably like evolves into a different trauma related disorder. Sure. Um, Cause the major precipitating factor for reactive attachment disorder is severe social neglect. Mm -hmm. um, so another criteria is persistent social or emotional disturbance characterized by at least two of the following minimal social and emotional responsiveness to others limited positive affect, episodes of unexplained irritability, sadness, or fearfulness that are evident even during non-threatening interaction with caregivers. So that's like your kiddo who's constantly afraid of their parents, even though the parents are being kind and affectionate. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you see a lot of children who've been neglected pull away from their caregivers. Yeah. That's kind of what it's talking about. Um, experience pattern of extreme or insufficient care as evidenced by at least one Social neglect or deprivation informs a persistent lack of having basic emotional needs for comfort, stimulation, and affection met by caregivers. Um, related changes of primary caregivers that limit the opportunities to form stable attachments. So you see this a lot in 
young kiddos who are bounced around in the foster care system. Mm -hmm. Like they don't get a stable foster home and they're moved from home to home to home. It's very chaotic and there's not a lot of stability. And so their emotional needs are rarely ever met. Mm -hmm. Um, or they're reared in unusual settings that severely limit opportunities to form selective attachments. So it, it really is just this inability to create a healthy attachment or a healthy bond with the adult caregiver in their lives. And that's why I say like it's under five generally, because when you're a teenager, there's a very different definition of what a healthy attachment to your parent is versus when you're a kiddo. Um, surprisingly, it's very rare in clinical settings. Because when you see it, you see like this is neglect. Yes. And as a clinician, it's really hard to want to diagnose someone under the age of five because, yes. <laughs> because the developmentally, there just is not exactly. enough there for you to assign a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. um, hello, Avery. <laughs> I, I'm wrong. I think I think you were wrong, too. I think she is a serial killer. <laughs> she, Avery. You literally just said, she. I don't think she's a serial killer. She's an imposter. She's not an imposter. She she could be an, a serial killing imposter. She just came down here and I was like, hello, Avery. And then she came in. We paused she, the podcast. She came over to me. I was so sweet. Giving her some love. Yep. <laughs> she walked out and fucking slammed the door. She's like, can we open presents? No. <laughs> <laughs> fucking broke the door off the hinges. So oh clearly, I don't know if she's Did got reactions <laughs> Does your daughter have them? Hey, I don't neglect her emotional needs, okay? If anything, she neglects mine. <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> this diagnosis, it's rare in a clinical setting. And it's, like I said, the precipitating factor is that serious social neglect um, that the kiddos have. So I look, what are you looking at? I was looking at your presents. They're wrapped really pretty. They're not mine. They're Santa's. Well, I know. That's why I was like, did, was she able to see it? She can't read. Okay, you're telling me <laughs> if she sees this present, oh, she's not gonna under know. the tree. She won't remember. She's gonna rip that on Christmas Day. She sees that same present up there, and you're like, "Oh, it's from Santa." She's like, "No, that chick is gonna rip the presents open so fast. She's not even gonna remember ever having seen them before." All right, whatever. Okay, <laughs> so then I did some additional research. That was all from the DSN. That's just like the very dry. Mm -hmm. This is how you diagnose this. Yeah. So I looked at the Mayo Clinic and the Cleveland C Clinic, and they had very similar information. Um, and it basically is just where an infant or a young child doesn't have a healthy attachment with caregivers. It's generally seen in situations where child's basic needs are not met. Mm -hmm. So that's why a lot of times this is diagnosed with individuals in the foster care system. Um, let's see. So here's some symptoms for you. There is little research on this, okay. which isn't surprising because no. it's not super well known. Um, and there's a huge uncertainty in the age range but it's most prevalent in young children under the age of five. And then I put a little star and I said, I wonder, <laughs> I wonder, is this a precursor to trauma related disorder as adults like PTSD? I believe so. So I would think that that's why they don't have a lot of research of it with adults, because when you experience that severe neglect and that inability to create a healthy attachment, that kind of just evolves over time. And then eventually that's going to progress into something more severe than just reactive attachment. Mm -hmm. um, do I know that for sure? No. <laughs> did I make that up? Sure did. Is it right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, <laughs> so the symptoms, unexplained withdrawal, fear, sadness, or irritability, which to me, I'm like, I can think of 10 diagnoses that have that same symptomology. Um, I think this goes back to the question too. That's like, can you diagnose me in like five minutes? No. Because because of this, <laughs> because of things like this, Some, yeah. like I said, 
withdrawal, fear, sadness, irritability, anxiety, that, that depression, be... PTSD. Like yeah. there's three right off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, sad or listless appearance, not seeking comfort or showing no response to given comfort. They don't smile, which made me so sad. Made me think of like Avery and Aiden. And I'm like, what if they never smiled? Oh, that is kind of sad. Got it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Don't have kids. They really fuck with your heart. Um, Jeez. They make you feel all the feels all the time. Watching others closely, but they don't engage socially. Um, Failure to ask for support or assistance. Failure to reach out when an adult tries to pick them up. Um, they'll often show little or no interest in playing peekaboo or other interactive games. Right? Like when you think about playing with babies, the first thing is like peekaboo. No. The baby's like, baby, fuck you. <laughs> I don't think that he's saying fuck you. I think the baby's he's... like, <laughs> <laughs> Emily just like flipped me off <laughs> with a major Ace Ventura face. Like... <laughs> I fucking hate you. <laughs> oh, if you saw your face, you would agree. Probably. <laughs> Um, no, this kid has no reaction to you. Like, you're like, peekaboo, peekaboo. And this baby's just, like, fucking staring into blank space, like, the fuck you doing? Mm-hmm. Like, I can't help you. Peekahoo? What? <laughs> Peekabye, bitch. <laughs> Episode title. <laughs> there it is. Peek-a-bye, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so, the major diagnosis that you want to rule out before you assign a diagnosis of reactive attachment disorder is, what's your guess? Are you quizzing me? Yeah. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Can I peek at your nose? <laughs> no. Autism. Uh, oh, yep. Makes a whole lot of sense. Because you need to rule that out first. Because if you assign a trauma-related diagnosis to somebody who has autism, their treatment tracks are so different. Yeah. So different. Um. So treatment for reactive attachment can help individual learn to establish and create healthy relationships. Obviously, early intervention is your best bet. If you can notice this early on and you can get this little kid connected to some help, they're going to have a better outcome. Um, Psychotherapy, parenting education. So like going straight to the parents. So maybe it's not like purposeful neglect, but maybe they just don't know. Maybe they didn't have a -hmm. parent role model. Mm -hmm. Um, So parenting education and classes and helping them create feelings of stability, safety, and security. Those are the only treatment things that I could find. My goodness. Um. Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't look at that yet. I'm not ready. Oh, what? <laughs> I just saw the first name and I was like, Ugh, what the fuck? Stop ruining my content. Okay. So prevention is the best treatment. So what you what you can do now, this is like if this is for you, Emily, just for you. Okay. So do <laughs> Tell this. me what to do. <laughs> prevention is the best treatment for this. So if you're thinking about having kids, taking parenting classes now. Or like volunteering at a daycare somewhere where you have to be around kiddos so you can see somebody model that behavior. Mm-hmm. Be actively engaged with a child. So like babysit, pay attention to them. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're already a parent, learn to interpret the baby's cues. Make sure you're paying attention to the baby. Um, provide warm, nurturing interaction off of your fucking phone. Like don't be staring at your goddamn phone while you're trying to play peekaboo with your baby. Mm-hmm. Like peekaboo with your phone. Um, and offer verbal and nonverbal responses. You ready for my list of people who had reactive attachment disorder that was never treated? After reading the first one, I'm not a little sh- surprised. Hitler. Had Saddam Hussein. Edgar Allan Poe, which makes me... Oh, but he, I, he's... I mean, I love Ad- Edgar Allan Poe. He's a little but, dark and twisted. But reading his shit, it makes sense. Yeah. That's um, my shit, but... Ready? Jeffrey Dahmer. Is your name on this list? No. <laughs> 
Chelsea Turner. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Good old Teddy. Ted Bundy. Oh, I love him. Then- <laughs> Theodore. Good old Teddy. Um, and then the one individual who's on here who's kind of a positive humanitarian who did receive some help, Helen Keller. The quotes this week are kind of connected. Um, the first one is from Queen Michelle Obama. Love her. Me too. It says, at the root of this dilemma, at the root of this dilemma is the way we view mental health in this country. Whether an illness affects your heart, your leg, or your brain, it's still an illness and there should be no distinction. A fucking man. Next, there's Howie Mandel. Howie. Howie. <laughs> we take so obnoxious. <laughs> we take care of our dental health. We don't take care of our mental health. I think the solution to making this world better is if we just be healthy mentally. Oh, so I like those, how he rhymed dental and mental. I know. God bless him. Um, Callie. All right. Well, um, I think we've gone long enough. Um, I'm. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Peek a bye, bitch, right now. Okay, well, in honor and in memory of good old Elvis, we're going to play um, his cookie meow. His sign-off. So make sure you water yourself and your friends. Bye. Bye. Hi. Elvis, do you want a cookie?